and make sure you speak slowly, you know, so uh, if I'm speaking too fast, let me know. If I've crossed 10 minutes, let me know. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Um, I just thought I'd share something um, quite simple uh, about grace. Now, we're familiar with grace from the point of salvation, so I'm not going to go there. And, and, and it's one of those topics that really fascinates me. And um, the more I understand it, the more I see I'm able to function in it, you know. So I, I think it's a given for most of us here that when it comes to accepting Christ or when it comes to being saved, we know the, the function of grace. We know where grace stands in the, in, the, in the overall picture. And I like the definition that you may be familiar with as well about grace. It says, grace is God giving himself fully to us. I think you might be familiar with that, right? So when it comes to salvation, God did everything that needed to be done for us, so he gave himself fully in the form of Christ so that there was absolutely nothing left for us to enter into salvation. And um, I don't think most of us here disputes that, so that's great. So I'm just going to leave that aside so that, because we know it. Um, what I want to focus on is the probably the lesser... Um, talked about aspect of grace. Now that we have, have this salvation, now that we have this uh, Christ in us, how do we usually function in grace? How do we usually grow in grace? Where I come from, um, or where I've lived in the past uh, 17 years of my life, typically the phrase, by the grace of God, I'm, you know, I live it. You usually, what, you, what you're basically saying is, I don't know how my life has not collapsed. Somehow the walls have not caved in. I'm just getting on by. I don't know if that's the same connotation here, but usually when you say I'm getting on by the grace of God, it means that, well, you know, things are still standing. I'm still standing. And um, I found that quite contradictory to what the Bible says. If that definition of grace being God giving everything to us or God giving himself fully to us, then all we're supposed to do is not just get by. So I just want, to, just want to focus on grace from the point of view of how do we use grace to grow instead of just getting by? That's the whole point. How do we use grace to grow instead of just getting by? And I thought um, um, a, very good, a very good example to start off with would be um, looking at what Paul uh, spoke about in response to, Father, take this thorn in my flesh. Let's just be very careful. Just stay with me. Don't get into what the thorn in the flesh could have been. That's a debate for a later date. But let's just focus on the response that Paul got. Father, take away this thorn in the flesh from me. Three times I pleaded and three times God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So here's the question. What was that grace sufficient for? Enduring that thorn in the flesh or... Going on to father greater things, as in what was Paul called to do? Speak the gospel to the Gentiles, right? So we always look at, you know, we mostly look at, you know, that statement from the point of view of God said, don't worry about the thorn of the flesh. I will give you grace. So the grace was not so much as it was for overlooking or getting by the thorn of the flesh or overcoming that specific circumstance, but it was more from the point of view of my grace is sufficient for you to fulfill your calling in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles despite this. If we focus on just getting by, what usually happens in our case is we use grace just to overcome the circumstance, just to deal with the circumstance, 
forgetting that the grace was not meant just to deal with the circumstance, but to help, it, to help us not let the circumstance stop us, but fulfill our calling. The point of grace is that it helps us walk towards our calling. So here's a few things. Just a couple of things that I just want to f- focus on. I mean, if you look at um, uh, 2 Peter 3.18. If you're there, if somebody wants to read it out, 2 Peter 3.18. Peter 3.18. Or I can just pick it up. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just read the words just before that, also so you get the context of it. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away with the air of all his men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Yeah. Amen. And it's so fundamental that we understand why we have grace. Because if you don't have that, and if we relegate it just to the aspect of salvation, what happens is we miss out on a lot of things that God intended for us in his calling for us. So here's, here's something, here's two things. When it comes to grace, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like an inheritance that God gave to Israel in Canaan. The inheritance was always theirs. The whole of the land was always theirs. But they got it portion by portion according to their ability to manage it and govern it and steward it. And just like that it is with us. So here's, here's a few examples in terms of how um, we can look at grace, how, how it applies in our life from the perspective of using grace to grow. Think of, a, think of an example, and I can, I can use some examples in my life because I know that best, um, and you can correlate it there. See, my wife, um, being a mother to four kids is no easy task. I sometimes feel parenting is a little more heavily uh, burdened on the woman than it is perhaps on, on men, because we at least get the few hours away from, away from family because of work or because of other commitments, but it tends to be a little more heavier on, on women, right? And, and here's one way that Blessy can look at grace. One way to look at grace would be, well, I've got four kids to take care of. Give me the grace to take care of these four kids, which means having the energy to feed them in the night, having the energy to cook for them, having the energy to sometimes deal with a difficult husband. And, you know, all the other things, the innumerable pamper changes, all of that, you know, so we can, we can, and she definitely needs the grace of God to be able to function in that. And we can limit it to that. Or she can say, well, I have the grace of God to now to deal with this large family. But now that I have the grace of God, I'm not just going to limit it to just to use it on this family, but I'm now going to use it for what else God wants to do with my life. So I'm not going to use the excuse of my four kids to stand in the way of me having to function in my role in church or in any other thing that God wants me to do. So when you start dealing with that one by one, then you realize that God is not going to show the entire domain for her out in the front. 
The first part of it might be, well, now that you've dealt with those four kids on a difficult day, using grace to grow would mean, now let me see how I can probably apportion a little bit of time to, I don't know, pray or study the word or do something else. And once you have functioned in that, then how, you know, what God does is, it actually shows you, now, you, now that you've functioned in this area, here's a little more that you can reach. With every level of grace that you function in, God gives you grace to do more and more. In a difficult relationship, if you're in a family with a difficult relationship, you definitely need grace just to endure that relationship. And the closer in the proximity that you are to the person, the more grace you would require. But how about looking at it from the point of view of, if I have to now grow in grace, enduring the relationship is not the, fun, is not the end of that. Now that I have endured it, God is going to give you the opportunity to say, now do you want to grow in this grace? How about now that you can endure it, go a little further and see if you can do something to love that person? I mean, in an argument, the first point of grace would be not retaliating. Another level will be, well, now that I've not retaliated, Father, help me grow in the grace so that I can now forget it, so that I don't play it over. And now that you've got the God, now do you want to still grow in your grace? Well, now, how about starting to do something in love to that person? And you realize that the more you go into this, the more you're willing to take the lead that God says, grow in the grace, you'll see that there is no end to that. You keep on growing, you keep on growing, because what God is doing is, he's inviting you to participate in the fullness of the work that he's doing in you. Did you hear that? He's inviting you to participate in the fullness of the work that you're doing in you. And grace is the, is the is a fuel, is, 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 is the encouragement, is the springboard that he gives us. In generosity, in forgiveness, in every area, if we use grace as the measure by which we can, grace by which the grace is the opportunity that, that we have now to grow in it, not just to look at a, you know a financial circumstance and say, Father, give me the grace now to just to manage my house this way. That's one. Then the next level will be, Father, now with my resources, help me now to be able to look at the next level. Be generous in my giving. Or whether it is work, not just deal with a difficult work environment or difficult boss or a, a low pay or whatever it is. That would be a basic point of grace, a basic you know, entry-level point of grace. But moving a little step further, Father, now help me start seeing this work as from this point of view of everything that I do, I do it for you. Everything I do, I do it unto you. And then another level thing, Father, now help me to see my work as if, like Paul said, I work so that the needs of my fellow believers, my fellow co-workers and mine can be met. And there is no end to how much we can plumb the depths of grace. I have no track of time, guys. How far have I gone? Just a minute. <laughs> You know, I love, I love this aspect about grace. Some of us are called to do incredible things. 
And sometimes what stands in the way of those incredible things are the fears that we have. And grace is one of the things that God says, guys, I'm giving you this grace called springboard. This, there's a springboard so that you can now attempt these impossible things that I've given you. So you not only get the grace to attempt it, but if you fail, grace covers you so that you can hide the shame and get, up, get past all of that, get past the guilt and get past the waste and say, let me attempt it again. When was the last time we used grace to look at some of the impossible things that God asked us to do? It helps us attempt the seemingly impossible standards and the calling of God. So just, just, if you have one takeaway, just look at grace this week from the point of view of how am I using grace to grow in my life instead of as a, as a, as a way by which I just get by. What have I used grace to grow this week? And the other aspect of grace is from the point of view of the righteousness of God, guys. I won't have time to talk about that today, but once we start looking at grace from the point of view of God giving himself fully to me, here's what I need to ask. If God has given himself fully to me in this situation, is this what the situation would look like? Whatever your situation is, your health, your, 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 your relationship, your finances, your purpose, your career, if that phrase is, if God has given himself fully to me, if I am now living in God's grace, does that situation reflect that? And once we get a sense of it, I really believe we will attempt more and more things because of God's grace. And because of that, we will walk every day a little more closer into the calling of God. Yeah? I still got more stuff, but maybe for another day. <laughs> Let's all uh, say hi to our friends and uh, you can...
to hear the things that cannot be heard, cannot be heard by the physical ears, Lord. Open our eyes and open our ears, Holy Spirit, and prepare our hearts to sense your heart, O oh God. Thank you so much for your wonderful love. We are ready, Lord. We are ready. I'm ready. Speak to me. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as a church, we started to learn. We started to uh, learn about prevailing church. That's what that's that's the teaching uh, series that Jacob started a couple of weeks ago, and then we started to learn about different aspects of prevailing church. And then recently, the last two weeks of teachings were like uh, prevailing church, fearless people. How can we uh, uh, how can we live a fearless uh, life? How can we be uh, fearless people? Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but He has given us the love, power. And also last week we we learned about uh, the church, uh, the people of overcomers. How can we live a life of an overcomer? How can we live? How can be the church? Uh, how can be uh, church as an overcomers and then and then live in the aspect of prevailing church? And I've been asking Lord about now, Lord, what is the next step? What is the next aspect of prevailing church that we should learn? And I've been praying about it, and God gave me specific word for our church. I've been in Canada for the, this is my fifth year. When I came to Canada and then I start, I, uh, after meeting Jacob, two years ago, I started to talk to him uh, and then I started to meet him one on one and one day we were in a discussion and that discussion I cannot forget because he, uh, I asked him, Jacob, you have come from the same country that I come from, like he's from India, right? So you come from the different part of the world and then you have uh, came here and then you started to live here and and God started started a church to you. I asked him, uh, uh, how do you feel? What is the one thing that you miss um, uh, miss from uh, that background? And then he said, this culture will make you calm down. This culture will limit you. This culture will suck you into comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> this culture will, uh, will 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 put your put the fire in you. Uh, will slowly decrease the fire in you, and then tells you that ah everything is okay. That's awesome life. This is the way it should be. And he said, John, one thing I want you to retain is that the fire, the passion. Do not do not. Do not get settled into this culture, but let's create a culture of kingdom. Let the people know that there is a different culture. That yes, it is possible to live in that in that culture, and that is the way we should live. And I was uh, and and as I was asking Lord, and this is the word that came to me. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter five. So we've learned to be to uh, to become fearless people, and we've learned to become overcomers. And today we're going to learn something that is to be a people of Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Can someone help me with this one? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called. 
for they are called for they will be called sons of God so that is the base verse and also I, I'm gonna change the title for the sermon I'm gonna call it as prevailing church solution experts <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> prevailing church solution experts in fact God in fact that's that's a that's a wonderful calling right we are the solution experts you and I are the solution experts you and I are solution experts whom God is sending into the world and that's what this verse is like blessed are the peacemakers you and I are sent into the world to make peace to bring solution to the problem that we are in, to bring solution that the, that the situation that we are in. Jano came and then he started to explain about the grace, and in fact, that's a, one of the one of the strong pillar for uh, for today's teaching. Because grace helps us to uh, we have to learn to grow in uh, grow in grace, not only get away with the problems and the current situations that I am personally fighting, but step out of it and then live for the calling that God has given to us. And that needs to be extended. The calling, the life with the grace, with the abundant grace, that life needs to be extended till Romans chapter 8. Let's read Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The whole creation is waiting in eager expectation. The world is waiting in eager expectation. Your work is waiting in eager expectation. Your relatives are waiting in eager expectation. Your situations are waiting in, in eager expectation. Your problems are waiting in eager express, uh, expectation. The, your, your workplace, your church, wherever you are going, your family, even in fact your life is also waiting in eager expectation. Eager expectation for the Son of God who is in you, for the Son of God to be revealed to them. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. When the Son of God is revealed in any situation, that's where the peace comes in. As a church, that's what we need to learn. As a church, we not only uh, we have to grow into the grace to not only get away with the current situation of our personal battles, but step out of that and then ask for the grace and be filled with the grace, experience the grace to reach to the to reach to the world and then and then make God reveal it to, to us. That is why, that is why God has chosen us. That is why God has called us and chosen us and he sent us into the world. It, it, it has been his plan since, since the beginning of the uh, beginning of the earth. I was, I was praying and then I was looking through the window and then I was praying and then all of a sudden I saw a rainbow. In fact, I took a picture and posted it on, on uh, uh, social media. Rainbow. Immediately, I went to Genesis chapter chapter nine. Genesis chapter nine. I started to read a couple of verses that uh, that God spoke about uh, about rainbow. 
Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, and he said, chapter 4, verse 21, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every, every inclination of his heart is evil from his childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And, and chapter 9, be fruitful and increase in the number till the earth and fear and dread of you will fall upon all the peace. And then you keep on going. And then he gives the, he, he, he reestablishes the, he reestablishes the promise of God. And then verse 16, whenever, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures of every kind on earth. This is the sign of the covenant I have been established between me and all the life on the earth. That rainbow reminded me, that rainbow, it not only reminds me, it also remi it's a reminder for God, like, like it's like it's a covenant between, between God and human beings, covenant between God and the life on the earth. And then into that covenant, into that covenant, Jesus Christ, when he came as a human being, he's called us, he, 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 he did not call us slaves, but he called us to be friends, he called us to be sons, he called us to be friends where we can share the yoke, where we can carry the yoke of kingdom, where we can carry the mandate and walk into the world and then be the peacemakers and be called as sons of God. It's so easy for us. It will be. It, it becomes so easy for us to be, to be, to spend all of our life to look at our own life and look at our own problems, look at our own struggle, and miss this calling. That's the that's the best trick that the enemy the enemy is doing. That's why that's why in fact Jesus when he was speaking about the uh, sharing about the parable of the uh, uh, a sower sowing seeds. That's what the third one. Yes, there is a seed, and yes, there is a. The, the, the seed started to started to grow and there comes the all the life problems and issues and then they suppress the seed, the, the suppress the plant. It's for us, it's very easy to become, very easy to easy to spend all of our day, all of our week struggling here and miss the calling of God. But 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 we are called to be the solution experts into the world. And today, I'm, today that, that we're going to learn how can we, how can we, on the one hand, face the problems of our own life and battle, walk through these battles, but at the same time, be, be the solution experts for the world. What this, what this world has taught us, this world has changed us. In fact, in fact, started to change. In fact, it started to change the minds of the people and especially millennials that Christianity is the problem for the community, society. That's what the world is picturing about Christ and the church. The church is the problem of the society. Christianity is the problem of the society. That's how it started to picture the world. In fact, in fact, church is never the problem. In fact, church is the solution of the problem. Church is the solution of the problem. You and I are the solutions of the solution of the problem. Be it any issue, be it diversity or be it slavery or be it any issue. If we read this history, God has raised the people and the solution has come from the church. And as people of God, we need to arise. We, we should block the thought. We should block the media, block the thought that the, 
that creating an image that, yes, you are the problem, yes, you do not accept that, yes, you say like this, yes, you judge this, and then decided to picture a great picture, paint a great picture for the millennials, for the next generation, that yes, being a Christian is a problem. And then how can I defend myself? How can I not become a real problem, but at the same time enjoy God? That's where we are struggling. And I pray, I pray for the church, I pray for us that, that we block all those problems and then say, yes, there is a problem, I am the solution because the Christ lives in me and then he wants to deliver a solution through me. And church is the solution for the world, church is the solution for the problem. If church was not the problem, if church wasn't the solution of the problem, I would never be, I would never accept Christ, I would never be knowing about God. I would be still struggling as untouchable. But the word of God came alive in my life and it revealed the truth in me and it has the word of God, the church, the people, have, the people of God have become solution for my problem. I pray that we get that. Every time when we go out into the world, I pray that God gives us boldness, be a fearless people and step into the workplace, step into the situation, step into our friends, step into our relatives and thinking that yes, I am the solution for the problem that they are having. Yes, because God is going to deliver the solution and I get to be the part of the solution. So we are part of, solution, part of the solution. That's what blessed are the peacemakers. That's all for the next generation. That's what we need to teach. That's all for the next generation. That's what we need to teach that, yes, Jesus Christ is the solution. But the culture is always dominating us. The culture always dominates us and it creates a picture that no, 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 no. You guys have judged like this. You guys have done that. You guys have made that. But at the same time, when you start reading the scriptures, when you start opening open your heart and then ask God, Lord, what is this? And God will reveal to you. And then He start to speak to you that this is the solution. This is the solution. And we and I, you and I, have to go into the world and then be the solution experts. How can we do that? How can we battle our own battles and at the same time be a solution expert? It only happens because of, by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. example is Jesus Christ. I, in fact, I spoke this, this concept, this, this word of God in our house church last time. How can we own, how can we battle, our, how can we, how can we have the struggle but at the same time, uh, say, uh, how can we walk through this, this, our own individual, uh, uh, individual, the valleys, the highs and at the same time be a, be a solution expert, same time be a peacemaker, same time be the light, same time be the sound of the world. Is by the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaiming the, proclaim the love of Christ. 
Speaking the love, speaking the life, speaking the love of Christ. That the best example is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, even though he was being crucified, even though he was on the cross, even though people were spitting on him, even though even though he was experiencing this this uh, this agony, even though he's he's being physically tormented, even though he's been having uh, carrying the, the the weight of the the weight of the sins of the world, but yet, but yet every word that came out of his mouth is a life-giving. Every word that, that he spoke on the on the cross, it's a life-giving. Every word that he spoke out of the, he spoke from his mouth is a life-giving and love and compassion and forgiveness. He was, he, even though he was experiencing that pain, but yet he started to say forgiveness. He started to speak life for the, for, for the people and he started to take care of his mom. He was, he, he started to fulfill the promise, fulfill the scriptures. And if Jesus can do that, but the, the same power lives in us, the same, the same love of God lives in us and we can also do that. Yes. Yes, of course, we have a thorn in the flesh, but yet His grace is so sufficient that we can be a blessing to people. We can be a blessing to people. May the God, may the power of the Holy Spirit fill us and enable us to be to be solution experts at our work to give us to give bonus. I want to give a few points and then I, then I will finish. How can we be a, a solution experts? How can we be this? go into the world and then with this uh, heart to, to bring peace to them, to bring to bring Jesus to them, to reveal Christ, uh, uh, to reveal Christ in other areas of our life. The first thing that we need to do is remember that God remembers the covenant. We have to remember the covenant that God has given to us. That's the beginning of everything. Because that's the beginning of everything. He has given us the covenant. He has given us his promise. He has given us his covenant. And that to the end he will be with us. And at the end, and at the end he is going to rule the world. He is going to be sitting on the throne. And you and I are going to see every knee is going to bow down. Every tongue is going to confess. Remember the covenant. Remember the promise. Because that is the, that is the base for our, our, our existence. In fact, in fact, if if we if we start to read the uh, read the story of God of this Bible, Abraham, God called Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. He God was called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then after that, <clears throat> he wasn't called by God of Joseph, and then no. So he God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. The, the promise of God, the covenant of God was passed from Abraham to Jacob, Jacob to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. And then even though Joseph was all alone, Joseph was separated from his entire family, even though Joseph was the only guy all alone, he was taken to in a different country, in a different circumstances, but he started to remember the covenant. He remembered the covenant that God has given this promise to my, to my great, great fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And that's why in Genesis chapter 50, when, Jacob, when Joseph was leaving his body, he said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has given the promise that he will give us this promise land and take my bones and bury there. What helps us 
What helps us to, to, uh, uh, to, to live for our calling is to remember the covenant of God. Is to remember the covenant of God. Keep, keep remembering. Keep, keep have a reminder for it. And say, Lord, this is the covenant that you have given to me. This is the covenant that you have made with me. You have made with my fathers. And you, and, and Lord, and I need this one. I need to walk through this one. Each and every covenant that God has given to us, he remembers it. And if you remember that he remembers, that gives us such a wonderful courage to walk through it. Sometimes things won't go, sometimes things won't go the way we planned, but yet, but yet hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. You will know, you will know that God is good, you will know that God, Father, our Father is good. That's the first one, remember that God remembers the covenant. The second one, the second one, when you remember the covenant, it produces boldness in, in us because it creates faith in us, faith on God that yes, he has given the covenant and he's going to do it. The second one is to show obedience to what the spirits told you to do. We are very, we are very good at hearing his voice, hearing what's his plan, hearing what he wants to do in the situation. But the problem is that doing what we heard doing what we heard. The second one, in any situation, if you if you hear that, if you, if, if you hear that, yes, this is what the God's plan, this is what the Lord wants me to do, step, step out. Step out and then, and then act on it. Step out and act on it and then experience the, experience the protection, experience the power, experience His wonderful grace in that situation. And then they have become solution experts for that for, for the situation. Noah, Abraham, Jonah, Joseph. Everywhere they went, every valley that they, they walked through, there you see God's miracle. There you see God's miracle. There we see God's miracle. There we see the power of God. So act on what God said. Hold it, what, what, what God told you to do it. And the third one, this is important, the third one, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord. To be revealed. Paul's prayer is that we do not lack any spiritual gift. The third one is we have to desire spiritual gifts. We have to desire God's gifts, that spiritual gifts that He wants us to He wants us, He wants to give to us. When was the last time you have asked Him for a gift? For a spiritual gift. For a gift so that you can operate in that and then and then help and then help the world. Help your friend, help you to help the family. When was the last time we asked for it? 
as a, as a body, as a prevailing church, as a prevailing church, we need to ask this. We need to desire, Lord, fill me with a new, new gift. Help me to operate in this gift that you have given to me. Because you can ask him, right? There is no limit for it. You can ask him. He will do it. And then that's what Paul's desire is like. Therefore, you do not like any spiritual gift. Because every spiritual gift is a blessing to someone. Be it wisdom, be it, be it healing, be it, be, it, uh, be it prophecy, be it determining. Every spiritual gift is always a blessing for someone. And also it's a blessing for you. Desire spiritual gift, desire, desire to grow in, in, in that environment. Lord, I mean, Lord, can you, can you, can you fill me? Can you give me with this gift? I remember oh, uh, when, I, when I started uh, my life with Christ, I was 15, 16 years old. One day we were having uh, uh, a youth meeting under a tree and then my mom was teaching and then my mom, my mom uh, uh, she, she asked any, any, every one of us that, that uh, if you want to ask God any spiritual gift, you guys ask him. There is no, uh, there is no, there is no, uh, there is no prop, there is no limit for you. You just ask him. You can ask him. And then we started to ask him, gifts. Lord, fill me with this gift. Fill me with this gift. Each and every one has asked, asked the gift of God. And then years later, now the people who are there under the tree are the ones who is doing the ministry. With the, each gift that God has anointed them. Ask him. Lord, Lord, give me a new gift. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with this gift. And help me to operate in this. And then come to the body and then grow in it. Because each gift that God gives you will help us to benefit the world. Because you and I are called for it. The last one. The fourth one. Let's read 1 Peter 1.7. First Peter one seven. I want to ask new gift today, but I can't find First Peter. First Peter 1 7 is the same. This, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than the gold, which precious even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The fourth one that the, that we we have to that we we desire that our that we desire is to have the authenticity in our faith. The authenticity in our faith. 
the genuineness in our faith. And that comes, that comes by the trials, by the tests of our faith. Every time when we pass through, pass through a test and trial, our faith becomes genuine. Our, our, uh, we, we start to live the authenticity of faith. We struggle, we stumble, but yet our faith becomes stronger. Authenticity of faith. Ah, we can talk a lot about authenticity of faith, the genuineness of faith. What a gift it is to please God with our faith. What a gift it is to please God with our faith. Yes, there is an impossible situation, impossible situation, and yet what an opportunity we can see. Every impossible situation is an opportunity to, to, uh, 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 to, to bring glory, praise, and honor for Jesus Christ. Because in that impossible situation, if we are faithful, if, if we start to ask him with the faith, that's the what an amazing situation that could be. So so the authenticity of faith, the, the genuineness of faith is so important when we step into the world and then start to minister to the world. May the Lord work in our lives on this. The last one. The same chapter was 30. The same chapter was 30. First, uh, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare our minds for action and be self-controlled. Set our hope fully on the grace. The last one is we need to be prepared. We need to prepare our minds every day. This has to be the daily task. It's, it's like every day when, when we, when we, every day it's like, Lord, prepare my mind. That yes, you have called me. Yes, I'm going. Yes, I am the solution. Yes, I am carrying you. Yes, you want me to go. Yes, you. Yes, your grace is so amazing that you love the person that you gave. You died for him. Yes, Lord, this is the situation. Yes, you want to show your grace. You want to show your miracle. And that it doesn't. It doesn't limit us for only spiritual stuff, but also every area of our life, every problem of our life. Every, every situation of our life, yes, Lord, prepare my mind, help me to prepare my mind that you're going to do this. That you're going to do this. That, that, Lord, may your will be done and I'm ready. And I'm ready for it. And I'm ready for it. There are a few, there are a few things that stop us doing this. The first one is the fear of culture. The fear of the culture that we live in. Our more alertness towards the culture, what they think, and then what's going to happen. That actually stops us. But in fact, as a people of God, we should stand out in that culture. I read a quote, this is beautiful, that one bishop he wrote a quote saying, saying that every time, everywhere Paul went, there was a riot. But everywhere I went, they gave me tea or a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Everywhere Paul and his disciples, everywhere they went, there was a riot. But yet there was a miracle of God. Yet people start to experience the life. The second one that, that stops us is, is 1 John 2 1. The last one, 1 John 2 1. How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. We are children of God because of His lavished love. And then this is the reality. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him first. When we go into the world, the reason the world doesn't know us is because the world doesn't know Father. That's why we have to, that's why we are like odd man out. We are like when we stand up for, for God, it's like always odd men out. But when you keep standing, and when they start to see Father through you, then that's where the family is born. That's where the body of God is born. That's how the, that's that's how that's how we that's how the miracle of God happens in their life. When we go into the world, we always stand. We always it's like we are like odd men out. We we are different than them, and then they don't understand us. They, we, we, get, we, start to, we, we start to experience persecution. They don't understand us because they don't know the Father. But once they know the Father, then they join us. If we, if, if, if we can, if we can uh, overcome these two and, then, and, then, uh, uh, and obey the Holy Spirit and start to ask for His strength, what a blessing it will be as a church, as a prevailing church. Everywhere we go, we become the solution experts. Let's pray. As a church, may 